Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. What's inside today's survival guide in a hybrid world? The answer is love. Helen Finucci, author of Love Your Team, a survival guide for sales managers, provides 17 conversations that sales leaders must master, all based on finding ways to demonstrate trust, connection, and love in the hybrid world. On today's podcast, you'll discover some great tools to build a sales culture that will keep your team productive, prosperous, and highly personal as you team anywhere. Hello and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon, and on the East Coast, our lovely, phenomenal co-host, Dr. Virginia Bianco Mathis. How are you doing today, Ginny? I'm fine and evidently very drawn out today. Very drawn out today because it's one of those... Blistery, almost winter days. Almost. I'm sure when you hear this podcast, it'll be a blistery winter day. Anyways, today on the podcast, we're having a lot of fun here. Today on the podcast, we're delighted to have Helen Finucci, author of Love Your Team, a survival guide for sales managers in a hybrid world. She's also the host of the podcast by the same name, Love Your Team. So (laughs) a lot of love in the studio today. Helen, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm loving it. Thank you. Good. We all love it. We love each other. And <laughs> let's get into some questions. Before we get to the book, we always ask the question, what has surprised you the most as we've moved more sales and sales team to this virtual world? What surprised me the most is how surprising it is, meaning people are uncomfortable managing remotely And that surprised me, particularly sales teams that tend to be dispersed because customers historically have been dispersed. And I've been managing teams for 25 years, remote and in the office. So I just find this kind of surprising that everyone is freaked out about it, to be frank. You know what? I want to thank you for your honesty because hello, Mitch and Ginny and Helen Before COVID, everybody was in sales, was a hybrid team or a virtual team. Hello, right? (laughs) Totally. Amazing. Yeah. So, you know, I've had teams, as I said, for 25 years, different disciplines, not always sales, but they've always been some combo of hybrid. And now really everybody is pretty much fully remote. There's not as much reason to go in the office And if you have people in the office, usually you have to coordinate days to come in if you want to see people. But yeah, it's been uncomfortable, I think, for some managers. And you hear things like, well, quiet quitting or productivity paranoia. Are your teams productive? Well, what I have done is I've always set outcome-based 
expectations and goals. And so I don't actually care what my team does on a day-to-day basis, as long as they're driving the end result. Right. And, you know, I have examples of hard goals and soft goals that I measure the team to. But that, I think, is really the secret to driving success in terms of business outcomes and results. Okay. I love the term productivity paranoia. I've never heard of that. But I do want to get back to the surprise factor. We've never gone this deep into surprise because you're so right. Well, she's our guest. Of course she's right. But you're, (laughs) you're, you're so right that in sales, there is no productivity paranoia because I don't care if you're in the office or out of the office. It is so easy to measure performance, right? You hit your goals or you don't hit your goals. So I still want to go back. What do you think happened then, Helen, such that there was a shift to sales or sales managers who had already been living in a world where it was quote unquote hybrid? Well, there is still the, what I'll call traditional sales management that is more custom to seeing people and building relationships through physical proximity. Mm-hmm. And so I do still hear examples where managers are expecting their teams to come in and they're struggling with the ability to manage remote. People who have been accustomed to managing remote carry on. And what is maybe the surprising thing is, let's say you're hiring a seller. Do you care where they're located? Because historically, we've wanted the sellers to be located near the customer. But we're finding that customers are not in the office anymore either. So it becomes less critical. And in a world where anyone can work from anywhere, that means your talent could be you know, not only hired by local companies or traditional competitors, but they could be hired from any company on the planet. So the dynamics of interacting with customers have changed. And what we're finding is that we have these moments in time, maybe it's quarterly, maybe it's twice a year, where literally customers and sales teams fly in together to maybe it's an executive briefing center, or maybe they meet in conjunction with an industry conference. So I think that's the biggest change is how sellers are interacting with customers. It's much more virtual than it is in person than it used to be. So again, I want to ask the question because prior to COVID, we had these sales conventions. We would get together with our customers. I had no idea this this podcast would go this way. What has changed then? I mean, yes, what has changed that's been significant that you've seen? Well, employee expectations have changed and buyer and customer expectations have changed. So the changes are that customers are not in the office, so they're not Mm -hmm. expecting in person. Also, we're seeing a lot more roles or decision makers in a sale than before. So we have compliance, privacy, IT, line of business, et cetera. There's more emphasis on not only the technology they might be buying, but how are they going to implement it and use it? And what's the change management process? There's more recognition that culture and change management matter 
more so than maybe had previously been recognized. And I think the reason for that is because of COVID, when everybody moved home, it kind of surprised people that some of the jobs that used to be done in person could be done remotely. So I think there's been more recognition that the people side of things is way more important than just what, you know, the solution, if you will, that companies are buying. Something, Helen, I found, you know, as you dig into this, one, I think it just hits folks psychologically. Oh, wait a minute. I can't go visit that customer. You know, that's the way I normally do it. I go to a series of drugstores or, you know, they have their routes, they have their geographical area, which now just sort of explodes. But it makes them have to stop and think. And in fact, Mitch and I were laughing about that before the podcast. Now, I don't want to deal with that question. I have to think, right? And here's what I mean. Wait a minute. I go to the customer. I interact with the customer. I make the sale. Breaking that down now, so you may have to do it in a different way, like staring at each other on a Zoom call or showing them the machinery in a different way, working. Maybe now we have to do a video of it instead and show them and talk them through it. How are we going to take those things that up to now, we didn't even think about because they have become so natural to us and now do them in a different way. Yeah, for sure. So I know companies, for example, my husband's company, they used to do kind of what they call a test drive physically on site. Now they do everything virtually and do the test drive. And that's worked out for them, saved his company travel. So Companies are inventing new ways of engaging their customers using remote technology. Technology. Yeah, and reaching out to other people in ways, other consultants, other technologies that they hadn't before. Right. So expanding that skill set. So, oh, let's do it virtually. Well, that sounds good. How do we really make that happen? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yes. And also the other thing, I think there's a recognition that every company is a tech company now that, you know, take Honeywell, old industrial company, one of my former customers, they are now reimagining themselves as a software industrial company. And so that has implications for the complexity of what we sell or what companies sell. And whether it's buyers want to make sure they're not making a bet your career mistake, if you will, or decision Mm. and making a mistake that could be career limiting. And so it's trust and ability to really understand the customer's concerns, address their concerns. All that stuff has gotten much more is required and much more complex. Definitely. Yeah. Great. Let's go to your book. Love Your Team, A Survival Guide for Sales Managers in a Hybrid World. What got you so inspired that you needed to write a book about sales management in a hybrid world? Okay, so here's a story for you. Yes. In July of 2021, I was very excited to be at a sales leadership conference doing a keynote the first time since COVID started. And the topic was retaining talent. If you recall, 4 million plus people were quitting their jobs every month. So when I got to the part of retaining talent, 
I thought, okay, what do I put? Support your team, care for your team. What encapsulates what I think managers need to do is love their team. I was super nervous about using the love word in a business context, but it really resonated with the audience and I went with it. And I got asked questions. Well, how exactly do you do that? And how do you make sure that you are supporting your team? And what does that look like? And so I got curious. I started doing a little, I used myself as a research subject. And I thought, well, what do I actually do? And I realized what I do is I have conversations with my team. And then I categorized those conversations. And I first started with 25 different categories. And so I decided to create a how-to book. It's the gut, the guts of that book are the 17 conversations sales leaders need to master with their team. They're broken down into five categories. And it's all about empowering the team. The orientation is not about the manager and, you know, these team members are there to do my bidding. It's about, okay, the world has changed. Employees have more choice. They have different expectations. How can I understand what those expectations are and support them and help them realize their expectations on their terms which are exactly, by the way, what the sellers need to do with their customers. And so I felt like I had a positive message based on my years of experience. And it's not a typical sales book on closing deals. It's really about managing teams and putting your team as your number one customer and really driving your own success through amplifying your team and helping them be successful. And what did you find was the distinction between loving your team in a hybrid world versus just loving your team? I don't really think it's any different. Okay. And in fact, I played golf about a year ago with a woman that worked for me 20 years ago. And my husband said, well, what do you like about working for Helen? Well, she, you know, lets us get on with doing our job. She's there and supports us when, you know, needed. And she also deals with and addresses underperforming employees. And I want to work on a team where we have a reputation for delivering results and being high performing. And she like addressed all those things. And anyway, so I don't think there's any difference between remote, hybrid or in person. It's the same skill set, really. So can you share with us some of the 17 conversations? Okay. The first conversation is how do you introduce yourself to your new team? Most managers inherit a team that already exists. They don't build a team from scratch. So the first conversation is being intentional about how you're going to introduce yourself to your team. And, you know, each chapter has the same format Here's how traditional managers do it, how love your team managers do it, the purpose of the conversation, how to do it, how to know if it worked, et cetera. So I set up a 45-minute conversation with my team. I have three slides. The first one is a little bit about me, and it's not to highlight how great I am. It's to give my team a little bit more background about my career, what I've done, my family, my favorite things, where I like to travel. Second slide is my management philosophy and approach. So they know how I think about things and what I value. So on that slide, I have 
you know, results oriented, you know, clear clarity of goals and outcomes. I have, you know, communication early and often. So no surprises, culture and people first. So those are some of the things. And, you know, I'm available. Text me. I am me. I'm here to support you and your success. And then the third slide is about what's next. So I'm going to have a one-on-one with each of you and no preparation. I want to get to know you. And then we're going to have ongoing one-on-ones. My typical is 30 minutes every two weeks, but if you prefer it more frequently or less, let's talk about that. And then I have each of them do a quick introduction of themselves and a fun fact about themselves. And this, of course, all depends on the size of the team, right? So that happened to be like a 12-person team. So being super intentional and mindful about, you know, making a good impression, but also beginning to build trust, transparency, expectation setting. Yeah, expectation setting sounds you know, like you said, and we'll be checking in and that will be every two weeks. And yes, yes. So with this love your team, how do you set up a love your team culture? I love that. So first of all, you know, there's core principles for loving your team. So setting up trust, being transparent, authentic, being kind of a real self, understanding your team. So finding out, being curious, about what your team cares about, what success looks like on their terms. And it's not just always about making the number and, you know, having a great financial year. It could be promotions. It could be, I'd like to move to another country. Can you help me, you know, with my career goals? Or I want to be a manager. There's a lot of different things I also think that there needs to be a set, a certain amount of what I'll call grace. And what I mean by that is we all make mistakes. So having, you know, the room, if you will, to take into account situations. I've made mistakes. They make mistakes. One of the things Satya, our CEO, brought forward when he became CEO was the idea of a growth mindset. You can't try new things unless it's okay to fail. And what this also means is that if someone is on a performance improvement plan, do you really believe that they can change? You've got to give them an opportunity to change, grow, and learn to work themselves out of that performance improvement plan. And I think, you know, sometimes performance improvement plans or poor performance is sort of code for the exit door. If you truly have a growth mindset, give them that opportunity to demonstrate that performance. Sometimes I do. Granted, more often they don't, or they'll find another job that fits their skill set better. Right. What are some of the issues that you're finding that teams are really struggling with right now? And what do you think are the causes of those issues? I would say the lack of interpersonal connection is a challenge for folks. Some folks feel isolated. Some of the younger, earlier in career, shall I say, individuals may live alone 
and not have as much of a social connection. And so I think it's a challenge to have sort of that team cohesion. While we can get work done remotely, a lot of companies really reduced their travel budgets during COVID. And because of the economic situation, particularly in tech, there's often still not a lot of travel budget. So there's absolutely people who've never met in person and there's no team offsites and things like that. And I think that is wearing on the team over time. And so I don't have any magic wand solution for that. We try to create virtual things that are fun and, you know, festive, but it's, I think there's no substitution for interpersonal connections. And, you know, I have very, what I'd say, personal relationships with people via remote connection. But I still think that that's something that we haven't figured out. And I think remote work and that hybrid remote work and what the future really brings is still to be worked out. What do you see as working that sales managers are using to build those connections, let's say, with the teams that have the best practices? Well, so one of the things that we've done, kind of a holiday fun, and again, this is a zero budget, but just sort of fun getting to know people. So we had people take pictures of the inside of the refrigerator. And then okay. you, try to, you try to match whose refrigerator goes with which person. Jenny liked that one. It was, you know, fun. And we had, you know, kind of a ugly sweater contest. And okay. what some of the people came up with was hysterical. We sometimes do baby pictures and match people or, you know, what is your, you know, what kind of vehicle or what's your ride? And like we did that and I put my kayak, a picture of my kayak is my ride. And then they had to, you know, match People, So we just try to do some things. So that's one thing that we did that was kind of fun. We've done talent, you know, virtual talent shows, which has been pretty hysterical. And of course, you have pockets of people that live near each other, Silicon Valley, Seattle area. So we've done some things in person as well, particularly around our giving campaign that we do every October to do fundraising and stuff. And that's been actually really fun. But you still run the risk of, you know, people who are, you know, proximity bias, people who have that opportunity to be in an office with people. And then there's people who live more remotely and don't. So as I said, I don't have a magic wand or all the answers, but we just try to be creative and figure things out. That's great. So with sales and obviously sales management, we've been talking already how in sales, it's very easy to know whether you're hitting or not hitting your targets. Can you tell us a little bit about how you hold people accountable when it's over Zoom, when you are either spending no time with them in person or you're spending some time with them, let's say once a year or twice a year at a sales meeting or a company meeting? What do you do to to help hold someone who might be struggling accountable when you are just not in person? Yeah, I actually don't think the in-person part matters to this. So I think it's the same approach, whether it's in-person or not. And that's to have a regular checkpoint as to status of progress against goals. And so, you know, pipeline coverage, forecasting, revenue are pretty easy things, so to speak, to checkpoint. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you do a deal review, do they have 
control over the deal? Do they know who the decision maker is? What's their strategy for you know, getting to the CFO or the decision maker committee, because there are a lot of decision makers these days. And, you know, I don't like surprises. So I would rather them be honest and vulnerable and tell me that things aren't going and they're off track and let's figure out how to get on track. That is all part of the process. That's not a negative indicator of performance. Some of the trickier performance things, which are non-financial, are, okay, how are they doing in getting higher in the organization and what's their relationship map? So quarterly, we review the relationship map. And again, let's have a conversation. You want to get to the CFO? Who do we know that knows the CFO? Or can we have our CFO meet with their CFO? You know, that kind of a thing. So again, you know, figuring out and then they actually need to take the action and make progress. So that's another thing. And then I would say one more thing. A third thing is I have the expectation that they are leading a cross-functional team. What I have observed is about 50% of a seller's time is actually selling inside of Microsoft and coordinating resources across Microsoft. And I'm talking about large enterprise sales engagements. So there's a team of 35 to 50 people they need to mobilize on behalf of their customer. Are they delegating? How are they checking status? Are they holding on too tightly and trying to do it all? And also what, you know, I checkpoint feedback with some of the team members and managers and say, okay, how's it going? And they are expected to lead a healthy team culture. And so we'll checkpoint on that. And if that's not working, if they have skill gaps doing that, then I work with them on addressing those skill gaps. But that is actually a required part of the job. And so I checkpoint every two weeks, sometimes more frequently if they go on a performance improvement plan for one of those aspects. And it's usually every week with specific goals and checkpoints and did they do it? And then I document it and all that kind of stuff. So that process, I think, works whether they're remote or in person. Okay, great. Uh, That was incredible you just put some structure around what tends to sometimes be very loosey-goosey. You know, how are you mobilizing the team of folks to facilitate the sale going through? And I love that you call it a relationship map. And isn't that also, you can use that same term and skill set about keeping up your relationships within your own company. Yeah, I've had sellers, like the sales team on Boeing, when Boeing was really in the midst of their troubles, they really weren't buying much. They were just trying to keep their head above water. So then the focus became less on revenue attainment and much more on relationship building and doing the things to help establish ourselves in our relationship. Mm -hmm. That's what we focused on more than you know, a set of deals because Boeing really was in a tight spot, shall we say. Yeah, yeah. And let me just add research, which is not the kind of thing we tend to talk about on a podcast, but research shows 
It's the ability in the relationships that make the better sales. So Mm -hmm. it's this real circular. For example, we know salespeople who can reach all their goals, but they leave dead people in the wake. You know, right. We don't want that. It's really got to have to be this graceful balance. Well, and it is up to the sales leader to intervene and hold that person accountable. And that I think is tough for a lot of sales leaders, particularly if that person is making quota. Right. My <laughs> question would be how much revenue are they leaving on the table through that approach versus mobilizing a broader team, there's an opportunity cost, I believe, to allowing that to continue. Yeah. All right. We want to roll on out of here. How can we find you and find your book? My book is on Amazon and I've intentionally left the Kindle at 99 cents. Wow. So it's very accessible and I'm on LinkedIn. Okay, great. So Helen Fanucci, F-A-N-U-C-C-I on LinkedIn. Helen, thank you so much. I'm really inspired by a lot of the ideas. I'm inspired by love. I I think it's great. And I do think that Ginny and I have really pretty much over the last two years with this podcast have learned that successful managers love their team. That's about the secret. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Ginny, for co-hosting as always. Thank you to our listeners for joining us for another episode of Team Anywhere. Please share this episode with your friends, your family, your colleagues, and your sales manager. And we'll see you next time on our next episode of Team Anywhere. Anywhere.